Welcome everybody to the Hot Tag Hooligans Wrestling Podcast show with myself, Aaron, and Tom. Tonight, our very special guest, the unwilting Tatiana. How's it going? Hi, guys. It's going good. How about you? Doing well, doing well. It's the season for WrestleMania, so there's a lot of wrestling going on. People are pumped and ready to go. I think all year, everyone always waits for WrestleMania season to kind of come into the fold. But, you know, the best part about it is, is I think there's a lot of independent wrestlers, you know, like yourself, who are able to travel down to Dallas and get some matchup as, as well. But there's other places in the U.S. outside of where WrestleMania takes place that also have big shows as well. So as a wrestler and as a fan, talk about WrestleMania and what it kind of means to you as far as overall bigger picture. Are you going to be somebody who sits down and watches this it feels like a nine to 10 to 15 hour extravaganza nowadays, or are you so busy that you can't even take time to watch it? Um, I think as far as actually sitting down to watch WrestleMania, that's going to be a bit of a pass for me, uh, just because I am busy. I've got work, I've got personal stuff, I've got all sorts of things going on, but I will be touching base to like check in and see, oh, dude this match go well oh there was a botch that happened in this match you know stuff like that um i will also be like touching base to, like see how my friends are doing because i have quite a few colleagues and friends that are down in dallas for mania weekend that all have matches and shows going on um so i want to be able to check in and support them uh you know catch clips of their stuff whenever i can um but for me wrestlemania always felt like kind of like the Oscars, like it's the big, big time in wrestling when everybody comes together and throws together the best of the best. Um, It's always full of spectacle. It's always full of just all sorts of different people. Um, And as I got older, like watching the Oscars, you know, I started to notice that like, hey, there's a lot of stuff in the Oscars that I don't always see. I don't always come across like the international films or the documentaries that I don't really look into and with Wrestlemania weekend it's kind of the same I'll see people coming from all different parts of the country and I'm like oh wow that person's really cool I haven't heard of them before but now I'm gonna go and look at their stuff or wow that company put on a really good show I think I'm gonna send them my stuff because they seem like a really good fit for what I'm doing in the ring Uh, so it just kind of it feels like the big part of this big part of the year where everybody just puts on 130 percent And and then like normal years, this year, the Oscars seemed like pro wrestling, you know, because we we had Will Smith, Mac, Chris Rock. So, I mean, it's all coming full circle. It's all coming full circle. We certainly did. That was that was itself a bit of a spectacle. (laughs) I definitely it was funny. I I actually watched a little bit of the Oscars with my parents and then I went home to go and do some stuff uh, and miss the rest of the Oscars. And then the next morning I woke up and saw that and was like, huh, it looks like I walked out at the worst time possible. Missed all the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I actually missed that part live. We were kind of watching it and then I was recording The Walking Dead. And so I'd finally sit down to start watching The Walking Dead and my phone started blowing up. My sister was just (laughs) texting me like, did you see Will Smith just punch Chris Rock? And I'm like, what are she talking about? And I was able to go back and watch it pretty quick and I was like wow that escalated pretty quickly so 
it was pure, you know, people were thinking it was scripted and it wasn't. I don't think it was scripted, but hey, it made for great television. I will give Chris Rock a lot of credit as somebody that's been slapped in the face quite a few times. He took that really well. I've been hit by quite a, so many different people. And I don't think I would have stood up as well after one of those from anybody. Then again, most people that have slapped me are all, you know, trained to knock me on my butt. So there's that. (laughs) So, okay. So that brings me to a question. Who's the hardest hit that you've ever taken who smacks you the hardest in your career so far oh okay so i'm gonna answer this in three parts okay because there's three people that come to mind uh overall slap is casey dillon i had a match against her uh last year in july uh in altina pa for eclipse and she slapped the taste out of my mouth. Just, I went to forearm her, bounced right off, and and next thing I knew, I was on the floor. Uh, so that was the first, that was the hardest overall slap. Um, the hardest shots I've taken, like generally during the match, would be uh, Casey J or not Casey, Kenzie James. Uh, I faced her in West Virginia last year. Uh, she got some, she was not trained by Trey Miguel, but she had worked with him in the past, uh, I think at a couple of his seminars and had learned to just full on lay in her shots. So those felt nice and crisp and kept me, (laughs) kept me wide awake during the match. And then, uh, I had a match against Keith Hot at Poser Wrestling in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, Keith has this wonderful, wonderful move where uh, he slaps his, the opponent will have gone for a sunset flip most of the time. He'll slap their hands away and sort of sit on their chest. And that about, that just about ejected the soul from my body. <laughs> so those, those three are the people that immediately come to mind with that question. Now, now, Tom, you're you're a former pro wrestler. Do you remember one of the hardest slaps that you ever took? Well, see, I, there was a guy that I worked a lot, uh, and he he no one really liked to work him because he was very stiff. But I'm somebody who always enjoyed that um, because if they're laying it in, they're making it look as good as possible, and they're making it hurt, but when that that shows that I'm taking it and I thought that would build me up you know if I'm taking these shots that are very credible uh, but then you can also lay them back just as good which helps as well so I always thought it was motivation how do you how do you feel about that does it does it like does it give you that motivation to work hard or are you somebody who doesn't like that Oh, it gives me plenty of motivation to work hard. Um, I actually, I actually get on a lot of like the students and uh, fellow wrestlers I work with whenever I go and practice with them or uh, just sort of before shows, whenever we're getting ready to do stuff, I'll tell them, don't hold back on me just because I'm small and delicate looking. One, I was trained like you guys to take this. Two, it's going to look so much better if you just hit me like you would anybody else. 
Um, so it really motivates me whenever I get hit full force because like, okay, they're taking me seriously. They think I can handle this. Whereas sometimes I'll get into the ring with someone who looks at me and they're like, oh my God, she's, she's so small. She's so tiny. I can't do it. Cause I'm five foot one. I'm a very small person. So I'll get into the ring with guys and they'll just be like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not hitting you with all of my stuff. I'll, I'll level you. I'll knock your head off. And I'm like, that's the point. Knock my head off. Come on, let's go. So I'm more motivated than anything. Yeah, I definitely think it makes you look stronger being able to do that. I, so I've, I've seen some stuff, uh, just going to indie shows and stuff, when they're not laying it in, it takes me out of the match. It really does. I, I don't blame you at all. I uh, had a match with somebody I have a lot of respect for, and he's so well known for throwing his shots as hard as possible. And he would not do that to me. And at one point I grabbed him, laid a forearm in and said, hit me as hard as you possibly can. And he, and he let me get two more in him and then boom, hit me with a full one. And I went across the ring and the crowd went, and I was like, see, see, that was a lot better. So growing up where you have, um, were you a fan of wrestling? I know a lot of people that we talked to didn't seem to get into it in their childhood, but they kind of got into wrestling a little bit more in their early teenage, I mean, teenage years, and then through college time. Were you someone who grew up watching pro wrestling? And if so, who were some of your favorites that you kind of kind of went toward? So for me, it was a little bit of both. Um, my older brother, uh, he's 15 years older than me, and he loved wrestling. And he started to lose interest as he like reached late teens, early adulthood. Um, but I'd always watch it with him. Um, and then when he lost interest, we still like kept wrestling each other as like bonding time and, you know, brother and sister messing with each other. Um, and honestly, from that time, I don't really remember anybody. I remember him having an undertaker toothbrush I remember having him having a life-size rock poster, which I thought was really cool. And I remember watching Goldust make his debut and how absolutely terrified I was. Cause I was like three years old at the time. And the way Goldust looked at the time, I was like, oh, that's not human. Cause I was three and didn't know any better. Uh, and it's honestly kind of cool that he's still in wrestling, still actively performing because as somebody that wants to eventually, you know, show up on AEW one time, the prospect of meeting him and getting to maybe work alongside of him, even for a brief period of time is really cool. Cause of that core memory of watching him and being so affected. Now, that being said, I didn't really find wrestling for myself until I was 13 years old. And it wasn't even because it was wrestling. It was because I was in a big baseball kick and was obsessed with following all of the teams and all the big stars. And Johnny Damon, who was a huge name at the time, was hosting Monday Night Raw. And I thought, ah, I'm going to watch this because I want to see what Johnny Damon's doing. I didn't give one hoot about what Johnny Damon was doing. The second the wrestling started, I was hooked and I've been stuck ever since, which I'm really glad for because wrestling has been this incredible pathway for my creativity and just becoming myself, becoming comfortable with who I am. 
So. So who are some of the uh, talents that you were watching back then that you really thought uh, were doing the creative things that got you into it? I remember uh, my favorite for a long time was Justin Gabriel, because uh, I loved all of that flippy dippy stuff, which I can't do. I'm actually more of a technical wrestler, weirdly enough. Uh, but I, I used to watch because I loved watching all the high flyers and luchadors. Um, in the women's division, Mickey James was probably the closest thing I had to a hero because, you know, being so small, even I stopped growing when I was 14 years old. I've been 5'1 for a long time. Uh, so seeing this short brunette woman run out and kick everybody's butt who was like tall and looked like a supermodel, which was just so motivating. It was like, oh my God, maybe I can do this too. Um, but her and Beth Phoenix were big influences on me. Justin Gabriel and the Nexus and Core and CM Punk and just all of those larger than life characters really just sort of kept coming in and out to like motivate me. And I, you know, you mentioned the flippy stuff and I think that's a crazy part about pro wrestling is that when it evolves, it brings in newer eyes. And sometimes it's been a while since it's truly evolved, in my opinion, where it kind of stuck. Now, for the women, it has evolved because we're now starting to get actual women's matches that mean something, that have a time. But I remember the first time I saw Rey Mysterio, and I was just like, oh, my goodness. And I know a lot of people's Rey's not one of their favorites, but to me, he'll always be a great just because I remember Rey being like 100 pounds soaking wet out there at like, 18 years old and debuting in ECW and putting on this match and doing these moves. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. And I've literally been a pro wrestling fan since WrestleMania one. Like I remember watching WrestleMania one, but it changed the whole, there's a, a Tom's trying to make an old joke here, but, <laughs> uh, but that's how it evolved. And now every match has got super kicks and flips and super kicks and flips do you feel like that we need to kind of tone that type stuff back down a little bit and get back to the basics? Or are you all about the showmanship and if you can do it, go do it? I think uh, showmanship has evolved alongside of wrestling. Um, like you said, every match has its span of super kicks and big moves that used to be like grand, brand new spectacles and there's still wonderful moves. They're still very strong. You can still use them as a finisher or as even a special move. Um, they're just a little bit more common, but they're still good. That being said, uh, I just think the art of showmanship has more become about who you are and how you can captivate the crowd rather than what you can do in the ring. There's so, so many people that can do high-flying moves and 450s and luchador stuff, and they're really good at it. And then there's a lot of other people that can't, and there's nothing wrong with either. As long as we're getting into the ring together, working together and putting on a good show and being ourselves and showing the crowd that we are very passionate about what we're doing and we're both in it to win it, no matter what it takes. I think that's... I think that's sort of what's become important is how can you show that you are supposed to be here and that you should be taken seriously no matter what kind of character you're playing. 
you know, for me right now, when I look at women's wrestling, and it's kind of weird to say this because I never thought I would say this. I feel like independent wrestling for women right now is like a shark infested water. There's so many great talents that will just eat you alive where the major promotions are still just kind of, there's a couple in WWE and then there's a couple in NXT, but the landscape and that big ocean of independent wrestling has a lot of sharks in it that are hungry who can go out and put on these matches and every one of them, you know, there's tons of people if given the opportunity to debut for an AEW or WWE could have a fantastic career. So as you're navigating through those waters, how do you stand out each time you're in the ring uh, to try to be noticed more for those major companies? So for me, a big part of trying to make myself stand out was trying to find out who I was. Um, I used to wrestle under the name Tatiana Rose and I just sort of used it as a name because I didn't do flowery stuff. I was still trying to figure out who I was, what I was going to do. And then when I realized that um, this is what I wanted to do, be the unwilting and incorporate flowers and nature into my character, into my gimmick, into my entire look and aura, uh, that's when I decided to change my name, drop Rose, because I realized there's so many people that use that name. And if I wanted to stand out, I needed to not have something generic. But um, how I've kind of gone about that is I just try to bring that aura with me everywhere. Whenever I step through the curtain, I bloom for the crowd. I cover myself in flowers. I try to wear gear that has flowers. I try to, um, I wear leotards to the ring because it's a lot easier to get a hold of than customized gear, unfortunately. Um, but I try to find gear that has flowers on it so that the look is always floral. It's always reminding you that I'm unwilting. I am the flower of wrestling. What it boils down to is you have to just embrace whatever you're doing. And it took me a long time to find what I was doing, what was going to work for me. But once I found it, I grabbed the hold of it and I created a plan for myself. There's a story that I'm telling as the unwilting Tatiana, and it's going to lead somewhere I don't think anybody's really going to see coming. And I'm excited about that. But it's a story. And I, as long as I am invested in telling this story, it's going to be easy for me to sort of suck everybody else into it, whether they know where it's going or not. But I like what you're saying because it makes me kind of feel like that you're, you're saying that you're blooming, you're progressing every, every year, every time you're in the ring uh, to be a better version of you. Is that correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. I try to learn something from every match I step into and something it's, it's as simple as, slow down, take a breath. Uh, if you get lost, you know, grab somebody. Uh, sometimes it's as complicated as, hey, if you're outside of the ring and you're supposed to be brawling with somebody, make sure to interact with the crowd. But I always take something from whatever I'm doing. So as you're, you're developing this character and you're, you're constantly uh, a work in progress, are there anything specific that you kind of 
turn to for inspiration a thing or a person or anything like that this is this is going to sound really funny but uh, i think a lot of wrestlers will will hear and sort of go ah see uh, i turned to dnd dungeons and dragons i am a huge huge nerd um not just about you know, wrestling, but about Dungeons and Dragons and books and at one time baseball. And I tried to take something from all of those things. But with Dungeons and Dragons, it's constantly evolving characters and finding new tools to make your character better and learning from your mistakes. You know, um, I can be playing a game and I can be, my character can be in the battle of her life, facing off against the person who destroyed her entire life. And I roll the dice and I get a really low number. And that means that no matter what I do, it's going to fail. And sometimes that's how life is. No matter what you do, you're going to fail. And, it's, and you know, some people would look at that and say, well, screw it. I'm done. I'm going to walk away now. I didn't get what I wanted. But you can't walk through life that way. You have to go, okay, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to take a lesson from that and I'm going to try again. I like that. Yeah, that's good. The most creative way I've heard that explained, but you know, I think that that makes a whole lot of sense. And you're, if you look at it that way, you're, you're constantly in a state of positivity versus you know, being in a state of uh, uncertainty. And I, I think that's a great way to look at it. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's kind of how I had to start looking at things in order to stay within wrestling and sort of survive as wrestler. Um, I know everybody talks about how bad 2020 was with the pandemic starting and the world catching on fire and all the horrible things that kept happening. But for me, on a personal level, it got 10 times harder because I had back-to-back injuries. Uh, There were all these studio performances happening, and I was actually getting booked for them, which for me was a big deal because I had made my debut at the end of 2019. My whole baby face, brand new spark got halted right in its tracks thanks to the pandemic. And I thought, it was coming back when people were reaching out and saying, Hey, I want you to have like a quick little match on my show. Um, And it started with me breaking my wrist, which very small fracture, nothing big. They didn't even put me in a cast. They were like, this isn't that bad. I was back within a month. I was doing practice matches. I was feeling great, feeling great. And then I almost immediately broke my elbow and that was a lot harder. And it, it actually almost made me leave the business because it was such a dumb accident. The way it happened could have been prevented just by me saying, you know what? No, I don't want to do this. And I, I almost didn't come back. But then I kept going to shows my friends were putting on. I went to uh, MV Young's Polyam cult party. I think it was uh, two. I think it was the second one. I was supposed to be on it, but I went anyway to support my friends. 
And I'll never forget like helping take the ring apart as best as I could with one arm and people walking up to me and saying, holy shit, you're, you're in a giant ass brace and you're helping anyway? Kid, you are going to do so good when you're better. And promoters walking up to me and saying, when you're better, we're going to have fun. And it made me think, well, wait a minute. How can I give up when I clearly want this probably more than anybody? So it took a lot and it took finding that weird motivation in D&D and in my friends just straight up believing in me to sort of come back and sort of shift how I was going to evolve myself. But, it was a long know, process, but it worked. You're not alone in that. And, you know, and I kind of want you to know that because I'm writing an all women's wrestling book right now where, you know, I'm interviewing certain women talent. And almost every one of them would talk about the, the mental strain of the business. But even though they weren't booked on the show, they would show up to the show. They would help with the ring. And the promoters then would see that. And the people would remember them. And when they were ready and had everything, you know, kind of coming full circle right after the pandemic and the world started opening back up, those promoters and stuff remembered them. And they did give them a call and they, you know, and the fans were messaging them and they were behind them. So that shows a lot about the person that you are, uh, that you would, you know, cause it's easy. Like you said, it's easy just to fail and just be like, eh, I'm done, you, you know, or mm-hmm. be hurt and just be like, I'm not going back, but I'm glad you did. I'm glad you stuck that out. And, uh, it really shows to your character. At the end of the day, I am too. I'm, I'm happy I didn't give up because this is at the end of the day, what I want to do. And there's so many things that I've done now that probably never would have happened if those terrible things hadn't happened to me two years ago. So when one door closes, another one opens and you know, that's kind of the way you got to kind of look at it. Sometimes. All right. Absolutely. Before we let you go, I want to do some rapid fire questions with you, if that's okay. All right. Uh, so people can kind of know you a little bit better. You know, you mentioned the Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm going to open it up a little bit more. You said you're a huge movie buff. Okay. So biggest question is, what is your favorite movie of all time and why? My favorite movie of all time is Beauty and the Beast because it's a classic. It's the movie I remember the most from my childhood. And one of the movies that I... I never feel bad about going back and watching. I love the story. I love the music. I love the fact that the main character looks like me, kind of, sort of. <laughs> um, I, I just, I can't find that much wrong with it. But to clarify, I'm talking about the original, not the uh, 2017 live action, which I don't have a good relationship with. You know what? <sighs> I, I interviewed somebody um, for a future episode last night and their favorite movie was Mulan but man they did not want to talk about that live action Mulan so I think that's just part of our our childhood it's like if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah I I think I think with Mulan and Beauty and the Beast specifically uh those two live actions were not uh, mm, they were they were not made for the nostalgic crowd they were definitely made for the newer audience but that's fine but if 
you know, if you love the original, it's a little hard to get into the new ones. I did like the Beauty and the Beast one, though. A little bit better, and I liked Mulan. I didn't think either one were too bad, but I see what you're saying. Like, now the Lion King, when they did that, it was almost, you know, scene for scene, I felt like. Um, and Tom don't want to talk about the Lion King. because that's, that's, no. that's a hard memory for him. It is. I don't blame you. I really don't. I try here on this episode if we talk too much about Musafa. Oh, no. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we won't do that. We won't do that. <laughs> Who is somebody right now that you would love a one-on-one contest with, like at a WrestleMania? If you had your choice of one person, who, who would you love to go one-on-one with? I got to go with Mickey James. She's the reason that I believed I could become a wrestler in the first place. So if I were given the opportunity, I'd get into the ring with her. And even if, even if it wouldn't go that way, even if she'd kick my, kick my butt in 30 seconds flat, it would still give me an opportunity to step into the ring with someone and be like, okay, here's the inspiration. Here's the product. Let's go. Awesome. Awesome. And last question. Um, I always like to ask this one. A lot of people, does pineapple go on pizza? No. I understand the appeal. I understand that it's like, oh, it's the sweetness and the saltiness. And it's, and I've had it. I've honestly had it before. Um, but you know what? No, it didn't work. Yeah, it's, it's not just, bad. It's just not my cup of tea whenever I eat it. I've had it. It's not bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. It's It's fine, but I would never order it. I will say, though, I have heard of an atrocity to pizza far worse than pineapple. Let's hear it. Because Tom probably does it. Let's hear it. I want to preface this with, I myself did not try this. One of my good, good friends did. And he swears that it's a good idea. I don't believe him. Pepperoni pizza with Reese's cups on top. What? Yeah. Yeah, like like the candy. The, the chocolate and peanut butter on top of pepperoni pizza. It doesn't sound disgusting. It just sounds weird. You know I'm actually going to try this now, right? No, no, don't you do that. I'm going to try this, and I'm going to do a TikTok video on it. Next time we have pizza, <laughs> pepperoni. Oh, I love no. Reese's. I love Reese's. Like, oh, I'm sorry Reese's, for bringing it up. I'm I didn't... put one right down in the middle, take a bite. Oh, gosh, no. And then I'm going to tag you in it. Oh. But it'll be but... my real reaction. I won't lie to you, but. I'm just that type of person. Like, if it's not too outrageous, I'm down to try something, you know, just to see, to say I tried it. So, I mean, <laughs> I thought it was, I mean, it's probably the wildest thing I've heard. I was kind of afraid of what you were going to actually say was on the pizza. I was like, oh, my Lord, what are we about to say is on the pizza? But, yeah. <sighs> I, I've seen, I've seen, like, a lot of, like, memes where somebody went out of their way to desecrate a pizza just to say hey would you eat this when the answer is clearly no why would you do that to a perfectly good slice of pizza but no this was this was a prank gone wrong or well i guess gone right that my friend tried to pull on another friend and he swears by it i think he's crazy almost ruined our friendship (laughs) everyone stay tuned for the reese's on the pizza because that's I wash my hands. I may bust it out this week. I may bust it out for mania. Oh no. Never know. So well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I greatly appreciate it. 
here's your chance to plug uh, any social media or any merchandise that you would like to. So I am on all social media as uh, at Tatiana Russells. You can find me on Facebook at The Unwelting Tatiana. I have both a page and a, well, a profile that you can add. Um, I currently have a shop on Brainbuster Tees that will need updated soon with my upcoming design, which at the time of this recording, I am within my last couple of days of taking pre-orders. Uh, you can find the pre-order information on my Twitter. Uh, if by the time this episode goes up, it's no longer in pre-order status, it will be up on Brainbuster's Tees by uh, first week of April. Awesome. And uh, I'm also taking painting commissions of which I have some work available for, per, for purchase. I have some that's already been made. I can also do custom work. Uh, right now it's all physical art, but hopefully I'm gonna add digital art in the future. Awesome, amazing. Everyone make sure you go and check that out and give her a follow. Uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. For myself and Tom, hopefully everyone's staying safe, doing what you need to do. So you go out and watch all the great talent actually perform live nothing's better than watching wrestling live and in person i absolutely love it it's one of my favorite things to do and make sure you guys are hitting the subscribe button because uh, without the subscriptions uh i mean what are me and tom doing this for but, but besides having fun right uh but yeah we all always appreciate all the support and make sure you head over to pro wrestling tees pick your up Self up some of our merchandise and head to Barnes and Nobles and pick up a copy of my book, Independent Road to Wrestler's Journey, or Loving Casey Nelson. For myself and Tom, Tatiana, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see y'all next week.